0: Knock-y, knock-y like- for the kosher consumer, and I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor. We're going to continue uh, on the topic of bishalakam. We're going to on to, uh, to some uh, issues about donuts, etc. But uh, before we get to that, I have a lot of in- interesting information to share with you. Basically, I think we're going to stick to uh, material that I got from a, g- a good friend of mine, Rabbi Bro- Brody from Detroit. The C.O.R. of Greater Detroit puts out a, a cautious alerts. And uh, every, I think it's a monthly, and it's absolutely wonderful. Information in there is, is great. We use a lot of it, and uh, I think it makes everything very clear. Everybody should treat, get a copy directly coming to them. It makes life a little easier. Uh, you can contact the uh, C.O.R. in Detroit. I don't have anything in front of me right now, but uh, that's the Council of Rabbis for the Great Detroit and as for their Kashrus alerts, you can get it coming in the email just like I get. I uh, want to share with you what he put together some fantastic material about how confusing it is for people to shop today. And he tells us things that, uh, you know, you have to be in the store to appreciate what I'm telling you. Because we've got, we're just hearing words. If you see it, it's fantastic. He talks about how the uh, the different uh, uh, varieties can cause the consumers to make mistakes because the you have to check every label. Listen to what he said. Tabachnik soups and broths, many of them are star K Parva, some of them are Star K star D dairy, that's not cull of Israel, but Star K only does Chalb Israel Star D uh, was going to be Chalb Stam products. So uh, some, of them, some of the tabasic soups and, and broths are par- Star K Parva. Some of them are Star D, dairy, which means not Chalb Israel, And some of them are Star K meat. So you have their soups so are milkics, Flasix and Parva. Oh. Uh, now, another one that he mentions over here uh, this on the on the Tabachnik company, he mentions that their what they call New England potato soup is dairy and it's a star D, which means it's not of Israel, and their old fashioned potato soup is Parva. So the company makes two potato soups, one Cholv Stam dairy and one Parva. Also, you should know that the Frenchman's onion soup and the Wilderness Wild Rice soup has meat. And that has a star K meat, even though there's no hint of meat in their names. So you'll have to really read the ingredients very, very careful on your tepacinic soups. That's just one little thing. Now, the next one is another one on Im, imagine organic soups and broths. Some are OU parva, some are OU meat, and some are not kosher. And the the company the company makes a product. Im, imagine Organic Soups makes a product called kosher free range chicken broth. Remember, this is a uh, okay, organic. Okay, it is a kosher free range chicken broth. It is kosher and it has an OU meat, but their regular one called free range chicken broth is not kosher. Again, imagine Organic Soups makes a product called kosher free range chicken broth that's kosher and the regular free range chicken broth is treif okay next near east rice mixes and couscous mixes Men, most of them are plain o u which means pareve and some are o u dairy and some are o u meat or or o u m which stands for meat should know that the pearl couscous basil and herb, contains a dairy ingredient and has an OUD. So again, the Near East, the
1: Imagine Organics, Tabachnik, watch soup mixes,
0: onion, vegetable and ranch varieties and Lipton soup secrets, noodle soup, chicken flavor. They're made in Israel and in the United States. The Israel one says kosher in big letters on the front, and it has an OU, an OU meat. Another OU on the regular one, an OU meat on the noodle variety. The U.S. one is not kosher. It has no kosher marking. At some stores, the kosher and the non-kosher versions may both be found on the same shelves. Wow. So you have to really be careful with the Lipton soup mixes, the ones that come from Israel. Okay, you'll see the word kosher. But you shouldn't get used to the name because there's no difference at all in the name except for that symbol that says kosher and the OU on it. But there is nothing else. It looks the same. Okay? This is what we this is how we this is how we shop in 2019. That's how you have to do it. Let me share with you a couple more because I think that some of them are very, very important. Which I wasn't aware of some of these. And this, well, this is along the same lines. What I'm going to tell you now. There's a there's a company called Hearst's. Hearst's makes soups. Okay. The name of the soup is Hearst's Ham Beans Soup. So Ham Beans Bean Soup. I didn't make a mistake. It's ham, beans, bean soup. And it has an OK symbol on the bag and has seasoned packets labeled as beef flavor, ham flavor, bacon flavor, et cetera. And uh, another another company, our family, 16 bean soup mix, has an OU on the bag and has also ham seasoning packets. So even though there's, you know, it... Let me let me get it straight. The ham beans bean soup the Earths has an OK symbol in the bag, and just that these things don't taste, don't sound kosher, which they're not. But I mean the company, but the products is kosher. It's OK certified. Then another company has an o, has an OU on the bag, our family sixteen bean soup mix, and has ham seasoning packet, although. The packets do not bear a kosher symbol. They're nevertheless certified kosher and parv, despite their non-kosher-sounding names. But the packets don't have the symbol on it, but they are kosher certified. So this is one of the things we have in America where non-kosher products sound kosher, and kosher products sound non-kosher. So I don't know, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how to handle it except by reading and staying on top of it on a day-to-day basis. No other way, no shortcuts. (laughs) This this is an an alert and I'm going to give you now. It's one that I sort of uh, am involved in a little bit. There's a company, I remember this years ago, I remember before it had Ashkocha, and it was kosher. And I knew uh, the vice president of the company, I grew up with him in the shul. And the product was a hundred percent kosher. And in those days, things didn't always have a hashkach, and we still use them. So this was Bachman's twist pretzels. The only problem is, right now it is under the OU, which has has to have been for decades and decades and decades. I don't want to tell you how many decades. But when I was a kid, they first got the OU. So it's it's a lot of decades. <laughs> but he says, but they were, the the thing now is, it it says. Uh, they are OU Parva, but what happened was, I mean, the, the Bachmann twist pretzels, you know the old ones everyone had, you know, you know, looks like, um, I don't know, whatever it is, a three, like a triangle, whatever. So he said, but however, some of the 10-ounce bags, uh, and it gives you the details here of the UPC and the expiration date, mistakenly contained butter twist pretzels that are dairy, and the company has recalled it. Now, this information came about through the FDA we have not gotten an announcement yet and that's something that I tried to work on today see if we can get an announcement of in the cashous alert from the OU uh, to let people know this product has been mislabeled and has been uh, has been actually, you know has been recalled so if you have any Bachman twist pretzels you'll have to check up with the uh, Uh, you know, with the health alerts. I could give you the information here, but I think it bore everybody, so you'll have to look up the uh, health alerts with the UPC code and the expiration date. Okay, here's a number. Here's a telephone number. That's not so boring. 800-367-7629. 367-7629. Okay, last one I want to give you here is, uh, which is important. Especially I think I don't know if it ties in directly to Ayom to a Company, I mean to the, the, the poor the poor. Let's see. Mocha Mix, original non-dairy coffee creamer. This has been the okay Parve for years. And the old containers still say okay Parve, and they are Parve. But the product has now gone under the OU. And the company, when they made that switch, said uh, they want to have certain freedom, you'll see in a second, and therefore the uh, the product is now labeled OUD. The Mocha Mix Original Non-Dairy Coffee Creamer, which was ever and ever and ever a part of an item, is now going to be OUD. And uh, see, the reason why they're doing it is that there uh, will be dairy equipment. The company does new stuff that's happening, and, and now... I wanted to share with you a little bit about this Bishul Akam issue. Last week we talked about the potato chips, and I don't know, everybody, probably a lot of people said, I, you know, he's taking so many things away from us, making it impossible to live. I can't help it if this is the way the halacha comes down, the way halacha comes down. We gave you different sides of the opinions, different opinions and different sides of the uh, positions on the uh, on the potato chips. But I want to talk a little bit more about Bishul Akam and then tie it in to the... Uh, to the issue of the uh, donuts, which is a very big deal. It's the it's the Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme donuts, all the donuts, and it would, could even be in a Jewish place too. If there's a Bishul
1: Akum issue, they're not taking care of it, if they, think they don't have to, that's the same issue. mentioned here, I don't even remember if we did, but the Shlomo Zalman-Orbach, that's all. Had been the latest studies
0: but it's in some communities it's one hundred percent the marriage, not not ninety. It's one hundred percent in some communities, and over across the country, it's uh, very very serious. Um, it, it that's why you, there's a dwindling of some of the non-orthodox groups are dwindling somewhat because a lot of them are losing their the 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 congregants. A lot of them are intermarried. And uh, sometimes they bring him to the synagogue and they intermarry to him, but very often they go out and they're no longer part of Judaism at all. And uh, of course we don't recognize the other non-Jewish partners, but I'm saying that, that the people themselves intermarry and go out and the next generation, there's nothing left. So what was what's the reason for it? So Shlomo Zalman said, be Shalakim. The Gemara said, you shouldn't mix with the goyim. And bishalakim, eating food that's been cooked by non-Jews, leads to intermarriage. Now, the, the original concept of it is, you know, you have a next-door neighbor, and he makes something, and he gives it to you. you know, And he's very nice, it tastes good. And you become friends, and your uh, your neighbors. And you stop in. He stops him by you. You stop him by him, and you have a daughter, and he has a son, and whatever it is, and that's what that's what the concern is, which is a very good concern. It's a real concern, and that was a, a, an establishment of the rabbis, of Bishel Akram. and Bishel Akram, it's very very serious. And the words you would have to kasher your, your kalim, uh, was Akram. So it's it's a serious uh, it's a serious matter they gave a very serious status. And the question is, you know, what is included and what's not included? So one of the things we discussed last week about what might not be included would be the, um, would be the, uh, something like potatoes, which is, which is, which is not, which is not something you'd serve to an honored guest. You wouldn't take it at a, at a royal state dinner. So it, it, it isn't something significant, so the Chazal said that we're not going to bother with. Or if it is something that's edible raw. If it's edible raw, then the, the fact that he cooked it, even though it makes a better presentation now than it was before, but he didn't change it from zero to 100. You've changed it somewhat. So it doesn't really, they didn't make that injunction for that purpose. So Therefore, those kind of things, there was no bishal akam. Those two issues, not oil or shulchan and or, or, or it, was the, it was edible raw. Those are the two things. And edible raw, by the way, means that it is edible for most people raw. Uh, and and you don't necessarily fit into the mix. So if it was edible for everybody and you don't like it that way, I like my carrots cooked, still in all carrots are eaten raw. And in today's world, many of our vegetables are eaten raw, although some of them are always cooked. Uh, that's a whole topic, and I'll probably get to it a little bit later. So let's let's go on now and and see what the Gemara says. This Gemara is a very interesting Gemara, and it's based on a posuk, actually, Tupsookim, from uh, from Kisiso, which we just landed uh, like two weeks ago. So it's, uh, it's the current current information, right? Uh, so listen to this Pesach first. And then I'll, I'll give you the Gemara. The pasuk says, tichros bris lest you go ahead and make a bris, a covenant, with the people living in the land. and you're going to go follow after their gods. Vizavchul and you're going to serve. You're going to uh, you know you're going to offer sacrifices to their gods. Vekara I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Um, no, I think I said it right here. Uh, no, it, it's it seems to be that uh, it's not. No, it's not talking about you. It says when you make a, a you'll make a, uh, a a covenant with them. And they will go after their gods. And they will serve. The, will, will offer sacrifices to their gods and I'll invite you and you will eat from their offerings from their from their slaughtering from their the court their corban. and you will then take from their daughters for your sons and your daughters will follow after their gods And they're going to lead your, uh, stray your sons after their gods. So what's going to happen is intermarriage is going to take place from the sharing of the food. And there's a crucial word here in the Pasuk, a crucial word. And they will call you, the Koralecho, and they will invite you. And here's the way the Gemara reads. The Gemara is in Avodah Zorah, Davches Aleph, towards the bottom. And on this Pasuk, it's discussing... And this is what the Gemara says, Rab Shimon. Oh yeah, there's uh, there's two different uh, uh, possibilities of who was the author of this. so Some say it's Rab Shmuel. We have different gears. Rab Shimon ben Elazar. Whoever it is, uh, we'll use Rab Shimon ben Elazar. That's supposedly the better one. Yisrael shibuchutzalar. It's it's very strong words. I'm going to say now. So take it with a grain of salt. Chazal want to get the point across. Just but bear with me, and maybe we'll be able to understand it in a, in a proper light. It says, Yisrael Shabbat The Jews who are living in Chutzlaretz, outside of Israel. avodas kochaven They are serving avodah zorah. They're, they're serving avodah zorah with pure intent. And the tahara. They're not impure intent. They're not trying to do a Vod-a-Zorah, But they're doing it. Jews living out of Israel, among the nations of this world, are living a a life of a vodah with pure intent, not with impure intent. Rabbi talks about how the communities used to be in Europe, we lived. They lived in small towns. They didn't mix with the non-Jewish people. They really lived the life by themselves. He said that, that that they used to speak Yiddish, all of them. He said that even our, I, I think I, I think I heard it from him, unless I heard it from somebody else. That no, maybe I could have heard this from somebody else. That they there were they were, non-Jew, they were non-Jews there were non-Jews who may still be alive, I don't know if there's anybody alive like that, but the non-Jews will still be alive, who speak Yiddish, because they, 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 they lived in those communities, of, you know, they exposed to mostly Jews. And the, it, the Jews used to speak Yiddish and wouldn't speak English. And uh, this idea that we speak uh, that the nation, you know, that we're speaking the language of the people, is, is not really the way the Jews lived in Europe. I don't know how they lived in the other countries, the smaller countries, but in the uh, in Asken, that's that's where they that's how it was. They spoke pretty much just the Yiddish, and they didn't. Uh, some of them didn't even know the the language of the country. I mean, I, the famous story in my family. I mean, it's a scary story, but that's. A, I could tell it to you. A cousin of mine, I mean, not my age, he's not living anymore, and he was cousin of, I mean my father's, some indirect cousin. He he uh, came over from Europe uh right before the war right before the war and he got out the same time as the uh, Rebbe got out and this all story i'm not going to go through the story but he was asked by the Rebbe to wait a few more days before he went out in order that they should go in the same train so the Rebbe went out like with a costume. He was, like, hiding. He had papers, but he was... He didn't want anybody to know who he was because they hated the Rebbers. The Rebbers were the ones that they killed right away. So he was scared for good reason. And he did... He was wearing disguise. And he wanted my relative to go in the train with him in order that if he would be stopped and he would be asked questions my cousin would talk for him because he didn't speak German, and my cousin did that's the way it was that's, that he didn't speak, maybe he didn't speak Polish you know, they came from Poland, so whatever it is, he didn't speak the languages and, uh, it, it, and my cousin did they never met each other that night on, on the train uh, because the uh, Gereb was okay. And he got there, he got where he's going. But the uh, but they but they did actually you know, he, he synchronized to go together with him to be able to help him out. In any event, this uh, th- this is we are considered to be idol worshippers, Betara with pure intent. How is that, says the Gemara? Ketzer, who, why are you attributing to nice Jewish people Ovde Avodazora? And listen to the story, listen to the way the Gemara describes it. I mean, I know people who live this way. You know people who live this way. Hopefully, you don't, and I, hopefully, I don't. <laughs> but you know people who have to live this way. How is it that we're calling them Ovde Avodazora? Agoy, akum? There's a Nanju who's making a wedding for his son, and they say also and the daughter to make a difference which he's bringing for, and he's inviting all the Jews of the city. Boy, this sounds like uh, right? You know, this is the whole story, right? Uh, the, the you're eating yours and they're eating theirs they're not sharing the food yours is glot kosher and you're sitting together at the meal with them at a wedding and they're eating treif and, and you're eating kosher the shamasholahem ome mifneem you have a mashkiach standing there to make sure that nothing is not kosher. Rabbi Wickler, this is what I ate. This is 100% kosher. Yeah, there's a trade affair going on here. But I ate 100% kosher. It delivered the food to me. It was double wrapped. It was everything We closed this. and then I, well, I, I didn't eat with them. shalahem the Gemara says you have somebody there watching that you don't eat any treif. Says the Gemara, ches male aleim hakosov ki achlo mizivche The Torah says, "You, it's like you ate from these dead carcasses." The words "dead carcasses," not just carcass. Zivchei Mesim is a phrase that means it's the korbanus of the goyim. You ate there, you ate there korbanus for their avodasr. Just because you you went to that affair, but you didn't need anything treif. And the pasuk they bring the pasuk, Hazal brings the pasuk, v'kora v'achalta It says, and they will call you, and you will eat from their slaughter. That's the Pasukah we read before. And the key word is v'kara. And the Gemara says, the l'cha, l'cha mishas hakriya. From the time you got called, the point isn't that what you ate, it's you're with them. You're part of everything. You went along with it. This is Kira Vlavabas. Even if you ate your own food, this is a connection you have with the Goyim. And people who live in the foreign lands, and they get along, get along with the Goyim. And then say you shouldn't. But I'm saying, and not saying, but but the point is, the more you do, the more you're with them, living with them, going to their things. I gotta go. I have to. My job is part of my life. That's like I don't eat anything. I don't dare. Okay, and say if you don't eat, there's a whole different story. But the invitation alone. So this is this. I'm not telling you how to conduct yourself, but uh, this is the what the Gemara said. Uh, now there is a halacha in Shulchan Aruch. I didn't. I did bring it because I want to read the Taz to you. My goodness, time's going along, but okay. I want to read the Taz to you. The Taz is, it's, it's Simon kuf, Kufnun base in Yoridaya. It's Taz base. He has a few little additions. This is, it's all, they all quote him. I'm going to just zero in on, I mean, the, the, the Shulchan Aruch actually says this whole thing over again. I'll just read it to you in English. I mean, I'm translating it. Nanju makes a party, wedding party, for his son or his daughter. It's forbidden for a Jew to eat there, even if he eats his own food. And he has a shamus. He hasn't somebody who's, you know, watching over it and serving him. uh, And uh, and from what time is it forbidden? From the time that they start to prepare the meal. In other words, we're not talking about a non-ceremonial thing. This is a ceremonial. This is something important that is tied to their own They don't move without their vodazor. Every simchub of their voters a I, I I saw something today. I didn't bring it in. I was going to bring it today. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think it will bother you, the people with these things. There's the companies who, that make items. And they're not all food items. Some of them are not food items. Some of them are... Uh, you know, like for some of you put, you know, the, the, the fragrances that you were, uh, like incense, people, and uh, other things that special things. Um, some of it's food, some of it's not food. And it's prepared for Indians, from India, and it mentions for religious purposes. I couldn't believe it. I didn't think that we're selling things like that, especially here in America, that they're selling things for religious purposes. And I read a little bit about it. And this whole story is attached to it, tied into their religion. It it means to say that somebody could purchase something. And he, could he be purchasing something that they are using for their religion? And you might use it for yourself. And uh, it's, you got to read. That's all you got to read. Okay, so let me read to you the, from this, uh, the, the Taz, and then we'll go on to the, the topic I wanted to get to. It says over here, um, that they're going to call you and, and you'll eat, you end up eating from their food. Maybe, maybe it's only if you actually eat with, from something that they prepared. It would say you were called and you ate from their things. And the, and the Gemara says, the posuk says, no, by being called, by being invited, by being part of it. It's as if you ate, even if you don't eat their food. From the time you've been called. That's the key that Taz is stressing. And he brings that out of Rashi. kor'iloi. From the time you're called to him. I look at your eating. Me zivche, I think. Venera, in other words, it's like you ate from their food from the, that was slaughtered. Venera, the hak Kriya this being called the Torah forbade you to go. The meaning is that the achilas Yisrael Baza al yaday hazman You're eating your food because of his invitation, so your food is now tied to his invitation. And this invitation has religious consequences and has the non-Jewish consequence. In those days, everything was before the It's sort of like being invited to his house. However, if he sends you a gift, you could accept it. It's kosher food. But you can't go and eat with him in his place, especially at his simcha, which is what we're talking about here. But this is a, a very strong Gemara and halacha, and, uh, you know, at least a good background to understand the topic. So let me let me tell you a story. This is a story, a Bishal Akram story. I didn't get yet to my area of the... Of the uh, Donuts, but hopefully I will do it completely. But I want to share this story with you because I just saw it a little while ago and I, I love the story. It, I, I've, I've mentioned him before and you should get used to the name and it's nice if you read some of his things because he's a great writer, very good writer, I'm serious, and uh, he's got a lot to say, very strong in halacha. Rabbi Yirmio Kaganoff, mentioned him I think last week, but I've, I've brought things from him before. He tells this story. Many years ago, I substituted for the mashgiach at a vegetable cannery that was producing products for a kosher manufacturer who claimed his products were bisho yisrael. I love that word, claimed. All <laughs> yeah, right, okay. After arriving at the factory, the, the first thing in the morning, uh, the first thing in the morning, as I was instructed, A foreman directed me to push a certain button, which I assumed initiated the cooking process. Upon examining the equipment, however, I realized that this button (laughs) simply, simply directed the cans to enter the cooker.
1: This would probably... a different solution
0: was necessary such as momentarily adjusting the temperature of the cooker and then resetting it in other words taking it offline you know start
1: again the right buttons the vegetables when i noticed <laughs> yeah, that's I love that. This is no, it's
0: the, the the non-Jew knows just what the halacha requires. <laughs> Having no connection to, at the factory, I called the rabbi responsible for the hachshar. He didn't answer the phone at that time of the morning. <laughs> this is a classic story. This is unbelievable, right? This is what happens in the real world, and I can tell you stories, endless stories like this. It's great. What was I to do? Let the Jews eat non-kosher veg- vegetables? and You know, okay. Let's say. Because bishalakim could aser it, and certain vegetables do require bishal Yisrael. Many of them don't, but some do require bishal Yisrael, as we will get to, I think, maybe we'll take care of that part first, even if we don't get to the donuts. <laughs> so he went through now a discussion about the canning factory, and then he, he goes on and say it says, So what happened in the cannery? Uh, A bit later in the morning, I was finally able to reach the rabbi whose number I had been supplied. He agreed (laughs) that the production was not Bishel Yisrael. Of course it was being billed as Bishel Yisrael. And this rabbi, I don't know who he is, I don't know what what his role was, if he had seen the factory, not seen the factory, but obviously this was an about-face on the whole deal and they had to go, like, you know, not use the production. One would think that the Heksha would award, award an alert mashkiach, meaning himself, Rabbi Kaganov, for correcting a cautious error. <laughs> uh, you, have to, you have to excuse me for laughing because I, unfortunately I know where this is going. Well, for those eager to develop a better world, let me tell you what ultimately resulted A different rabbi was assigned to the job someone less likely to call the overseeing rabbi so early in the morning (laughs) they're all the stories are unbelievable stories you know when this is not talking 50 years ago this is not this is not an old story he's not an old man and this is not that many years ago I guess that I was right that I didn't have the right connections Oh my goodness! That's that's the true story of of the, beach of the Israel. It, uh, there there are more dramatic stories that I, but I'm not telling them today. This is this is definitely explains to you how 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 important. Now, now let's go about since we got to the vegetables. So I'm going to take a side track. and mention a little bit, on one paper I have it over here, and that will take us to that area here so you know there's a the question what's considered to be uh you know what's considered to be uh in the vegetable area we discussed the potatoes last week potatoes are definitely used in some form or another every single affair so you can't say potatoes don't exist maybe the type of potato or whatever the chip okay fine but the, what about uh what kind of canned vegetables are is there a concern so i know there are behind men uh said this was in Kashvis Currents from 1993. Kashvis Currents, if you don't know about it, it's you, you get it free in all your newspapers. You're always getting it, right? In the old days, you had to pay for it a few dollars, but now you get it free, and in the, it in the, comes a couple times a year, about three or four times a year. Uh, so Kashvis Currents in 1993, Rabbi behind him and said, the only canned vegetable that needed to be, Bisha Yisrael was asparagus, because that's a very choshuv thing, and uh, you couldn't, it can't be eaten raw. And then that's therefore there's a shal from Bishul Rabbi Belsky Zatzal Chaim, he said that he believes that canned asparagus wouldn't make it to a state dinner because of the texture; it's too soft. They got to have, uh, you know, a fresh tasting. Thing. They wouldn't. They wouldn't dare eat that. That's like it's too mushy for them. That's that, that's why Rabbi Belsky felt it wouldn't it wouldn't qualify. Which, by the way, Rabbi Bielski is not wasn't so lenient on the Bishul Yisrael or what has to be beach Yisrael. We'll get to it a little later. But okay, Rabbi Belsky maintains that canned yams are suitable for a state dinner, and they're Bishul lakum. So there are vegetables that are definitely have beach lakum. Whether I peti- mean peas, peas are for sure not because peas are edible raw. And there's so many vegetables that are edible raw today that is not a bishulakum. But if there is a bishulakum story, and the and the and the companies or the company's claiming it's bishi Israel and it's not bishi Israel, then that's also something that, that has to be corrected. So there is a, a, definitely a serious issue on the on, on the question of uh, the vegetables. But we have almost twenty minutes, so we're going to try. To sneak a little bit and about the uh, the donuts, so there I was together with uh, one of the rabbis in our community over here, and we met with a, a third rabbi, and we were trying to help him understand about his hashgacha a little differently. I could say it in other form, but I don't want to get into trouble here. But we we we, we were complaining about what he was doing, and. It was about the these donuts, um, and but I don't think I think we were coming from the point of view of kashras. but I'm coming from the point of view of of bisho akum. When I became aware of this, it bothered me very much, because the, the donuts are fried; they're not they're not baked, and a fried item, as far as I understand, requires bishul. Uh, it, it, it's it's considered to be and if it's bishul, then you need bishul yisrael. So the only question here, the, the I to me, the only question was whether or not it's Ola al whether it's whether a donut is of enough to be uh, to be to qualify for the prohibition of Bishal akum. But there are others who raise the question whether or not uh, the process qualifies for uh, bishul akum because the what, what you do have is you have. Um, uh, you you have it it's using an oil so there are some who hold that oil We're
1: frying something in oil may not be a becial issue they make a blila of a thick dough and they put it in deep
0: fry in in, in oil and there is a there's a makhluk as we shown him as to whether you'd say hamotzi and challah on such things, and whether or not it's considered to be a, a cooked or a baked, some people would say that you would bake hamotzi on it and have to have challah removed. Now I'm going to tell you, they're not removing challah. Maybe they, maybe it's a non-Jewish owner, okay? But but we're also not uh, you're not making hamotzi on your on your, you're not making Hamozi on your donuts. So you can't have it both ways. If you consider it to be a bishul and you're going to make zonos. Then you have to realize that you have a shalif and bishalakim, which is the most people ascribe to that. Now um, you'll say, "Well, I can't imagine in the life of me that you're going to call a donut olal shulchan So we have to see what is the shulchan alakim. But I'm going to read to you from some, something that's pretty standard. I mean, this is this is everybody uh, familiar with this publication, I think. Rabbi Moshe Leibovitz, who's been on our show a number of times, he puts out uh, Halachically Speaking,
1: which is a wonderful... Now, again,
0: I don't, I'm not poskening anything today. I'm pre- presenting to you the question. But I'm telling you, he, this is the Kof K, quoting Rabbi Belsky. Again, I mean, it's not fair to say K. It's Rabbi. It's Rabbi Leibovitz who works for the Kof
1: Many of his stuff is, many things he says are, are tie in there. But, but this Small donuts, which are served at catered
0: affairs, are fit for a king's table... And therefore, present
1: a problem of bishul that small donuts, which are
0: served at catered affairs, are fit for a king's table. That's bishul akum. Where did he say it? OU document A one o five. You can't buy it. You have to. You have to be on the inn to get these documents. But he is on record that, that, that small donuts that you would serve in the Hoshua donuts. Now, I have another gentleman who tells me like this. He said that he was at a wedding. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the on the timing, right? He says, This gentleman writes, I was at a fancy chasana last year around Hanukkah time. Chasana. They serve donuts for dessert, all types, not just sufganiyot. So, in other words, it is a high-quality item. You know, you pay don't pay 65 cents for them. Yeah, for the sufganiyot, maybe you can get it for cheap. I don't know what the, what the price is today. But we're talking about the fancy donuts. We don't know what the covering and the glazing and all that stuff. This doesn't go for 75 cents. And it's, it is chashev. And it can be made very of. So, yes, donuts might qualify for bishol akum. And if they do qualify for bishol akum, well, how come most of the cautious agencies are not dealing with that? I would say that you have to ask your own cautious agency, because every one of the Dunkin' Donuts and the other things like that are under, you know, individual hashgachos and everybody does it differently. There are some Dunkin' Donuts where the, where the, the Vada Koshvers sends in somebody on Shabbos. If not every Shabbos, some Shabbos to check out the store. And there are, I mean, I can't do any Malach on Shabbos, but he can come in, he can look around. And there, and there are some places where they'll never go in on Shabbos. They're, they're working 24 hours a day, the Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, we, we, we just tell the story many times about somebody coming in 3 o'clock, a front person came in 3 o'clock in the morning and saw that they were using it in the oven, they were, they were putting in Kentucky Fried Chicken from the Trayfus store around the corner, right here on Avenue, uh, on Kings Highway, and East 10th Street. They were, they were And they had a, there was a whole big issue, and they had, of course, had a kosher. And yes, there's, there's no mashkiyach. So some people don't hold from these Dunkin' Donuts for the, just because there's no not enough supervision. But there's a question on the general thing of whether it's a bishulakum, and if if people feel that there's no problem with the uh, with the uh, you know, then they're not going to do anything. So if you want, if you have hakpadas, you could ask your Roth what to do, but definitely ask. Don't make
1: assumptions that, oh, it has a shkacha. They, they must be doing. They know what they're doing. Of course, they was quoted over there with the don with the donuts. Somebody
0: else is uh, of a different opinion, either in the same conscious organization or another conscious organization.
1: I mean, this is I'm say, you know, they're they're good people,
0: they're good rabbonim, they're working hard, they they know halacha, why can't we just trust them? If you want to, you can, but you have to choose who you, who you want to trust. You, you'd you call up and say, can I rely on so-and-so, there's a, this door over here, can I rely on this hashgacha? But when it comes to this, something that you are used to, people don't want to ask any questions, they want to say, that's what I do and they, 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 you know if it's, if there's anything wrong let the rabbis burn but you can't do that if, if this is something the intellectual you understand there's a
1: concept of bishalakum we raise the question that's in my humble opinion what is the thinking of your rough
0: and if he agrees with me or where somebody else you know that you speak to says the same thing I'm telling you. So then find out if the conscious organization that you were relying on in that store is doing uh, due diligence on the issue of bishulak. That's the question that we're raising over here. Aside from the issue of the cautious, because a place that doesn't have any mashgich there at all is very, very weak, very weak. I mean, you have to be very questionable if you can be safe with that. Again. There are different opinions on this. I'm not uh, I'm not closing the door and I re- people are entitled to uh, ask whoever they like. And I don't want I don't look down upon the conscious agencies who decided to be make on this because they have their poiskim on which to rely upon. But I I, I also feel that people like Reverend Babelski have to be taken seriously. Now there's a Chazonish. I found the Chazonish. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I couldn't find it, but let me get it now. I know where it is. <laughs> I made it so clear this time, I can't, I can't, um, I can't mix it up. Hopefully. <laughs> it's just that I don't have them in order. There's so many pages. Here it is. But I'll give you the other people too. We'll go through a, a list of a few, but here's the, here's the Chosenes. Rav Shimon Schwab, hopefully you know who he was. Of Shimon Schwab was the the Rav of the Yekusia community, the Kaj in in Manhattan, Washington Heights. Wonderful man, great speaker, one of the greatest speakers I ever heard, and uh, one of the people that I respected very much. So Rabbi Schwab heard from the Chazon Ish. Okay, he heard that uh, the Chazon Ish holds that even something that a king would eat in an informal setting is subject to Bishal akam in other words if the king would eat it for breakfast not at a state dinner not on, uh, in, in, you know not when he's inviting over uh, important people not uh, you know not not kind of setting if he will eat it and I, I was brought up that way. I remember this, this shalom, because my Rebbe taught this way. Ravashazim used to teach us that the king uh, used to, a queen actually, used to eat sprats, which is sardines, out of the can certain times. And based upon that, there was a shalom from
1: Bishalakum that the, the canned the uh, products. T- They hold that That was not a way of, eat, of food. I mean, you take a piece of fish and you cook it in the, in
0: the, in the oven, that tastes good. Yeah, that's real cooking. But something that's in a can, what's steamed in a can, many people don't hold as a problem with that, especially uh, something like uh, something like that, which was the, the sardine. Some ways, some, uh, the OU have the same uh, feeling that uh, the, well, their fish, like uh, the tuna fish, has no problem with bicholaca because it's in a can. It's uh, steamed. It's not the same quality of regular cooking. Others hold no. You need be. You have a bishulakim on on tuna fish. I didn't go through that this week. Maybe in another week I'll do it. But it's a very interesting uh, question whether or not you could. Uh, it, it, something has to be you know taken into consideration that the king would eat it for breakfast. The king would eat it for lunch. He would have a snack. He, he, in other words, he's a refined individual. We're not talking about eating something that's uh, distasteful. We're talking about doing something that, that, that he feels was, is dignified enough for him for his, in his way of life. That's the point that, that, that he says over here. It doesn't have to be at a royal banquet. Kazanish held that it would be enough what he would eat in an informal setting. abelsky is cited as saying that all the food that's fit to be served at a wedding smorgasbord, smorgasbord are subject to rules of besalac you get that one you understand that what it means the smorgasbord has a million foods they're not all super 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 fancy and the, i mean I, I mean look at this that the smorgasbord is is regular food it's a lot of the stuff at the smorgasbord board stuff you eat gonna eat tonight? So <laughs> that's enough, he said, enough, he said. and the, and this was quoted from halachically speaking again, Rabbi Moshe Leibowitz in volume seven, issue one. Okay, so this is very important to hear that as much as people are telling you, oh, you need oh shalach malachim. The only whole is the king would eat it on a, a, a state dinner. Uh, maybe only the king would eat it. You, you've never been invited to the king's house. You're not going to be invited to the king's house. But maybe they don't never have a bishul issue. No. Rebelski said anything at a board at the wedding. Chazanish said anything that the king would eat informally this was an old question now I gotta tell you to be quite fair we have a couple seconds left so I'm gonna tell you we are in America in America there was a the land of the meaning of Shal so for years and years when Rabbi Aaron's Cutler Zatzal started base Medrash gavoya, they decided to take they took from the government the cornflakes Course there was no Ashkaka. They checked it out that it was kosher, but there was no Ashkaka per se. I don't know if they had anybody there at production. I don't I can't answer you, but I don't I doubt it. In any event, they relied on the Bishel Akam issue because he said it was a rubber Michel. It wasn't something that you would serve an honored guest. Cornflakes. Now we have Bishop Israel cornflakes today, you can buy them. You have the companies that do it. Do you need it? Maybe yes, maybe no. Well, if you hold that you can eat, a, uh, eat corn raw, then for sure there's no bichlaco. But we're talking about this thing about the grub of Michael, that's something that wouldn't be served at none on the guest. Now, my Rebbe said, there's still an in Indian on cornflakes. He said, if you go to Manhattan and you go to the Waldorf Astoria and you have to get you pay the money, you could afford it, and at least you're going for breakfast there. You're not going to stay in one the, of the rooms. You don't have enough money for that. But to have breakfast in the Waldorf Astoria, you can still afford. Everyone who's listening to me could afford the breakfast in, in World of Story. Of course, you can't eat anything there. But let's say you would go there, and you wait and you, and you could get the kosher food there. And it's, and it's, uh, and and it, and this, and they're going to serve you well, a. Yeah. And You ask, "What would you like to have, sir?" Um, uh cornflakes. Cornflakes in the World of Story. <laughs> D- they have cornflakes because people are humans they live in their own little world they in manhattan they're seeing the new york new york city they're spending a fortune of money but they always have cornflakes for breakfast so in the world of astoria right now you can get maybe it's not only in the morning you can get cornflakes because they know there are people who will order that so they have it is that something a state, state dinner? No. But that's a fancy person. That's what they want to eat. So does it qualify? So my Rebbe held was there was a shout from Bishol Akam on cornflakes. The, Revar and that Zad hold there wasn't a Bishol corn on cornflakes. And uh, you know there definitely is, there definitely are things that, that come to this gray area. But this is where a Selah HaRav, you point for somebody to be your you go find her of, and you'll ask her, Shilas. And we raised tonight a question about B. on the donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme donuts, et cetera. So I think that's as far as we're gonna go tonight. Maybe I'll bring up the two-month situation. we will do something completely different next week. In any event, I hope you got something out of tonight's program. And I wanna wish everyone a wonderful week. This is your host Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Koshra's Magazine. You can reach me during the week, 718-336-8544, or you can email me at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And if you have, uh, you could text to that number, too, the kashrus at AOL.com. Until next week, this is Rabbi Yosef Wickler wishing you a wonderful week.